morning, we'll turn open to the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 9, if you're using a pew Bible there, it is on page 573, 573, Isaiah chapter 9 has been Often throughout church history that Isaiah has been called the fifth gospel. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then many people have called Isaiah the fifth gospel because it is so filled with the person of Christ and so filled with prophecies about the Savior to come. And surely Isaiah 9 is one of the chief passages in that light. And we've been spending the last number of weeks looking at it and finishing that this morning as we look at these titles of this one born into the world there in verse 6. But this morning we're going to read verses 6 and 7, and let me pray for us before we read. Our Father, we are thankful that You are a giver of good gifts. We know that every good gift comes from above, from you, the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And we, this week, this Lord's Day, celebrate the great gift that you gave us in your Son. And the great gift that was sealed unto us a day that he rose from the grave and has been applied to us by the Spirit. We thank you that you are such a good giver of gifts. And we pray that even this morning as we sit in this place, as we stand in this place, as some live stream and look in on our worship this morning, you would stir us afresh and anew and the beauty of this gift, and the beauty of you, our God. Ah, we give you praise. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, this is a holy, inerrant, sufficient Word of God. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Though the grass withers and the flower fades, the Word of God is forever. Thanks be to God. Amen. I never get tired of Christmas. Uh, Never. Maybe that doesn't make me a good Puritan. Uh, Some would say not a good Presbyterian, but I love Christmas. 
Uh, I love it for a lot of reasons. One of them is, is that there are a lot of things that I want to grow in my understanding of, my knowledge of. Uh, I think that is true of all of us. Uh, we want to grow in our understanding or knowledge of generosity, of love, of things of this world, of how to grill a good steak, all kinds of things. Uh, but there's one thing that when we get to the very end of our lives and we're looking back on our lives and reflecting upon it, there will be one thing that I think that we will hope and wish and reflect upon and think, I wish I'd only come to know that more and understand that better and appreciate that even more. And that would be this, the great gift of salvation that we have in Christ Jesus. I feel like Christmas and the Christmas season just forces us and gives us all just kind of this reorientation where we're all thinking upon the birth of God-man into this world and the great gift of salvation that has been given to us in Him. And that is good for our souls. It is good for us. In that light, uh, this morning we're going to finish this little series on Isaiah 9 as we look at these titles of this one born. Uh, we have already seen that He is Wonderful Counselor. We've seen that He is Mighty God. We've seen that He's Everlasting Father. And then this morning, Prince of Peace. This world is absolutely longing for peace. People will say, well, give me something relevant on a Sunday morning. Give us something relevant for our world. Well, there is nothing more relevant than Jesus. And this title shows it to you. The world is desperate for peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Two words, just like all of the other titles in this series that we've seen, two words here, Prince, Peace. He's a prince, that is, he rules. He comes as a ruler, as a ruler, as a commander. And with him, he brings something. He brings peace. Peace is that Hebrew word that many of you know. It's that word shalom. It is throughout the Old Testament Scriptures. It is then used throughout the New Testament Scriptures as is interpreted and translated into Greek. It has the idea of prosperity. It has the idea of quiet. It has the idea of just blessing. Of just a complete and utter blessing. A life that is lived and filled with blessing. This child, Isaiah is saying, would be so marked by peace that his kingdom, when he comes in as the prince, as the ruler, he comes in, his kingdom comes with him, that when his kingdom comes in, it establishes peace. He's the Prince of Peace. That's the prophecy. I remember a Christmas week uh, about a decade ago. I remember it because it was such a, a jolting week, a hard week for Leah and I, that Christmas week. Uh, she received a phone call from a dear friend of ours. This is someone that none of you would know would have no relationship whatsoever to anybody here at this church. Uh, but they were very close family friends. Uh, 
so close. In fact, they were surrogate parents to Leah and I when we were first married 20 plus years ago. Uh, they took us under their wing and invested an awful lot into us. And that wife had called my wife, Leah, with uh, gut-wrenching news. She relayed to Leah that this husband, who was our dear friend, had been living a double life for, for years. That he had fallen into the sin of pornography and that had led him to adulterous relationships and prostitution. Uh, High-priced prostitutes, the kind you read about that the rich and the famous employ. And we were absolutely uh, blindsided, devastated in many ways. I remember Leah asked me after she told me about the conversation, she asked for my initial response, and, and I told her I was grieved and also not incredibly shocked. And I wasn't shocked, I told her, because sin is everywhere. And the effects of sin are everywhere in this world. The world doesn't look like peace has come. I opened up a news website this past week. I could have opened up any of them, and these were the stories in order on the news website that day. If you go to a news website today, it would be very similar. These were the headlines, in order. Cause of death revealed for NFL star found dead in hotel room. Five arrested in U.S. reps a vehicle after armed carjacking in Philly. Police officer knocked unconscious by suspect during booking at headquarters. Illinois religious leaders, residents react to State House's satanic holiday display. Fire reported at ExxonMobil refinery near Houston, Texas. Some injuries feared. Sin. Sin and its effects everywhere. There doesn't seem to be a lot of peace. And yet, this is what Isaiah said this child would bring. That as he comes into the world, he comes into the world as the Prince of Peace. In fact, the Scriptures lead us to expect that he will bring peace into the world over and over. Psalm 72-7 we read, In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. Isaiah himself says in chapter 2, He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Or that famous prophecy in Isaiah 11, where he says, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. There shall be peace. All the Scriptures point to the Messiah ushering in peace, the angels at Jesus' birth, right? They erupt in this chorus. Glory to God in the highest and on peace, on earth peace, to men on whom His favor rests. When Jesus leaves His disciples on His way to the cross in John 14 and is about to be crucified, He says to them, peace. He promises them peace. The very first words he speaks to them when he reappears to them upon his resurrection is peace. Paul will say that peace is so much an attribute of 
a marker of the kingdom of our Savior. He says in Romans 14, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Where then is the peace? What do we do with a week of headlines like I found on the internet this week? What do you do with a week like you experienced in your home this week? Or a week like I experienced those decades, decade ago with the news on Christmas week about our friends? Is he the Prince of Peace or not? And if he came, and as he came as the Prince, and he comes, and in his coming comes the kingdom, then where is the peace? Is he not the Prince of Peace? Oh, he is. Of course he is. I was thinking about it this week, and thinking about, you know, we could really err in two different ways, equally heinous, as we think about this. The one is that we expect too much, and the other is that we expect too little. Theologians will use the phrase or the terms of you could have an over-realized eschatology or you can have an under-realized eschatology. That is, over-realized, you expect too much. Eschatology, just the doctrine of last things, the theology of last things, the study of last things. So you have an over-realized eschatology, you expect too much of the last things. Or an under-realized eschatology, you expect too little of the last things. We can expect too much now in that we expect perfect peace now. Peace between nations, peace in the church, peace in my relationships with family members, peace in my relationships with all the people that surround me in my neighborhood or culture or, or across the street, or peace between countries, peace in our world. Does the Prince of Peace rule now? The answer is yes. He is reigning now. He is at the right hand of the Father now. And it is also true that He is bringing His kingdom into its fullness. So there is peace, there just isn't perfect peace. As theologians will often say, the kingdom is here, and yet, not yet. It's here, its influence is here, and yet it has not been fully consummated. Everything that it is has not been realized yet, and so there is not perfect peace. And as Christians, you and I stand on the inside of this truth. We have a foot in both worlds. We have a foot in this world, and we have a foot in the world to come. And we hold this tension. There will be a day we know it. You and I know it as Christians. There will be a day when there is perfect peace. There will be a day when our Lord comes in His second advent, when He descends upon the clouds with the angels and the archangels, and He descends, and our bodies are raised from the grave, and they are caught up in the air and reunited to our souls, and we meet Him in the air. And on that day, His kingdom will be fully consummated. 
And we know that there will be peace. There will no longer be destruction. There will no longer be disease. There will no longer be discouragement. No longer be depression. There will no longer be death. There will be complete and utter and lasting peace. We know it. We expect it. But there's also peace now. There's peace that He gives now. And this morning, that's what I want to consider together. We could do it in a lot of different ways, but what I want to do is just consider it in two ways this morning. The peace that He gives now as the Prince of Peace that can be realized in your life now. And the two that I want to focus on are the two great pieces that you and I need beyond all else. The great peace that we need outside of ourselves and the great peace that we need within ourselves. There's a great conflict without and there's a great conflict within. And amidst all of this continued conflict in this life, we have the greatest peace offered to us without and within by this one that was born. So the greatest peace without... This Prince of Peace is ushered into the world, and the greatest peace that you and I can experience without is ushered in with Him. Listen, there is a lot of turmoil outside of yours and my individual lives. There's all kinds of things that are butting up against our lives, all kinds of things that provide conflict, all kinds of things that are seeking to do us harm, all kinds of things that provide tension without, outside of us. But the greatest conflict, the greatest discord that you and I have by living in this world, we have because we were born into this world. And being born into this world, we do not have peace as a child born into this world. We have conflict without. And we have conflict with God. That's our greatest conflict without. I think this was a surprise, the average person to hear that a cute, cuddly baby born into the world is in conflict with God. The Scriptures are very clear. Every single child born into this world except for one is born into this world an enemy of God. An enemy. We have no inherent peace with our Maker. Paul will say it this way in Ephesians 2, and notice the same Prince language. And you were dead in your trespasses and the sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the Prince of the power of the air, the Spirit at work now in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. All. There's not an exception here. All are dead in their sins, Paul says. All following the course of this world that is following the path of this world. And what is the path of this world? It is sin. He says that we were following the prince of the power of the air. Who is the prince of the power of the air? It is Satan. 
Paul is saying, all of you born in this world, you are children of Satan, is what he is saying. And we do the works of the devil. We do his work of sin. And sin is nothing less than cosmic rebellion. And so God rightly aims His holy wrath at sinners. As Paul says, we were all children of wrath. Sin is set against God, and God is set against sin. Every single one of us. Ah, but God. But God, Paul says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us when we were still sinners. Or as Isaiah is saying, this child born unto you because of the great love with which He loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. That will lead Paul to say in Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified, we have... And then he uses the word. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The great conflict without. The greatest conflict that you and I have without. The greatest need that we have. The great threat to you. It's addressed by this baby born who is the Prince of Peace. This is what the angels proclaim in Luke 2 when they say glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. Peace without. Peace with God. Do you have that peace? It only comes as you receive that Prince of Peace. Isaiah, as he goes on in the book and is reflecting upon receiving God, believing upon God, he will say there in chapter 57 of those who do not believe in God, he will say they have no peace. No peace. I have uh, sought or I've sat with um, people throughout the years and this conversation, it just seems to happen over and over. I can almost, I can tell it's going to happen in the midst of a conversation. Uh, I try not to be cynical going into conversations, uh, but it has happened dozens of times to me over the years. Where there is someone that is steeped in sin, and they are truly dead in sin. And I... I'm sitting across from them and I am confronting them with the gospel. And I have heard dozens of times this rejoinder I've never been at more peace than I am right now in my life. I don't need 
what you're offering. Something along those lines. I don't need to argue with that. Whether they're experiencing peace right now or not, maybe that's true. There's a sense of peace that comes from having a good season with family or getting that extra bonus at work or stock market going up or taking that quick exotic vacation or whatever it may be. But like Jesus said to the woman at the well, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. And so it is true, the peace granted by the things of the world following the course of the world, it is fleeting. The psalmist in Psalm 73 is reflecting upon this. He is looking at unbelievers that look like they're living the shalom life. They don't appear to have problems. He says they, they're fat. It is they have tons of food to eat. He says they're rich. They don't seem to have the troubles that he is experiencing as the psalmist, and he's reflecting upon that, and it looks like they have shalom. Of all the people on the earth, they have shalom. They're living the blessed life. And then he says, quote, and then I considered that their feet are on slippery places. That is, he says, it's like They're ascending a hill or a cliff or a mountain, and he realized that, you know what, that actually as they're ascending, they're on ice. It's like they're on ice. And in a moment, they can come tumbling down. Whatever gives you that peace, it can quickly disappear. Stock market crashes, automobile accident, that microscopic parasite can make your grand life just come crashing down because you're in a slippery place. There's only one solution, and that is to be on solid ground. True, lasting, Peace comes only as you are united to the Prince of Peace. Leah asked me that decade or so ago, later that day after we were thinking through that phone call and praying for that couple, she said, Jason, what would you say to him if he called you today? I said, well, I would share the gospel with him. And she said, well, tell me how you would share it. And I remember saying something along these lines to her. I said, well, I would answer the phone and I would say, I've heard of some of the things that you've done. I don't know them all. I don't need to know them all. But I do know one thing. I do know that God is there. 
It will be a day, if it hasn't already come, where you will feel the weight of the guilt of this sin and you will feel like you are being crushed by it. And I know that God is there. And I know, and I can promise you, based upon the truth of the Scriptures, that in Christ you can be forgiven and you can have peace. Because the Father sent His only begotten Son into this world, and that Son was born into this world for sinners. And that Son lived a perfectly righteous life for sinners. And that Son died upon the cross in atoning death for sinners. And He was buried and He was raised on the third day for sinners. And He ascended to the right hand of the Father in heaven. And He ever lives to intercede for sinners. And He is the only way that you will have forgiveness and you will have peace. And that leads to our second point. Peace within comes from this Prince of Peace. He brings peace to the conscience. Of all the enemies that are within, of all the things that disrupt and all of the things that trouble us within our own persons, there is none that is greater than a burdened conscience. It will truly and really can drive a person to complete and utter insanity. It can drive a person to run all of their lives. It can drive a person to feel like they have lost all bodily and physical strength and like they can't get out of bed and move. David experienced that in Psalm 38. He says, There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. And people, because of the weight of the guilt of that sin, they will do anything and everything to get out from underneath it. I mean, people will spend small fortunes to go to counselors to try and be relieved of the guilt of that sin. People will turn their lives upside down to try and relieve themselves of the guilt of that sin. They will try and distance themselves from it. Just get that thing out of their mind. Just get rid of it. Just flee from it. Try and ignore that, that pang of conscience that comes of that sin. And yet one faint smell be one picture, it can be one song on the radio, and it all just comes flooding back in a moment. You can run away from family, you can run away from your home, you can run away even from your country, but you can't run away from a burdened conscience. It will follow you to the ends of the earth. It will follow you to the grave. The burden of the guilt of our sin is an unrelenting foe. 
David found this to be the case. He says in Psalm 32, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. What conflict there can be within. Later that week, ten plus years ago, that dear friend, he called to talk to me. And I spent about an hour on the phone with him. Uh, he confessed his sin. I heard the effects of the sin upon his marriage, upon his children, upon his business, upon his church, upon his life. I heard how burdened his soul was with it. And I cried with him, and I hoped with him. I hoped with him because I know a Prince of Peace. I know a Prince of Peace who comes into the midst of the conflict, who comes into the midst of sin, who comes into the midst of all of the disquiet and calms it. I know one who is in that boat with his disciples and with three small words he said, peace be still, and that storm on that sea, it just stopped raging. It's the same Lord that comes to a human soul, a human heart, a human mind, and he just speaks. There's peace. Because he's God Almighty. There's peace. This Prince of Peace has come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, my peace I give unto you. You could have no better Savior No better Savior. One who takes away that greatest conflict without and within. One who is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Can't have a better one. Some of you are sitting here this morning. And you don't know this peace. Because he's not your Savior this morning. You know, Isaiah says here in Isaiah 9, he says, For unto us this child has been given. Unto us. All of you yesterday, I'm guessing, I could be wrong, but all of you yesterday opened up presents. And you opened up the presents that had your name on it. That's what you did. And if it had your name on it, you didn't say no. 
You just received it. That's all you did. For unto us this child is given. For unto us the Savior is born. Just receive it. You just receive him. He said, well, you don't know, Pastor. You don't know what I am. You don't know what I've done. Nope, I don't. But he does. He saved a murderer in Moses. He saved a liar in Jacob. He saved a prostitute in Rahab. He saved an adulterer in David. He saved an outsider in the Samaritan woman. He saved a man filled with anger in Jonah. He saved a robber upon that cross. He saved sinners. He saved sinners. You just receive. And that peace that you need without and that peace that you need within is yours. Dear Christian, two things. One, don't you ever, ever give up on the people in your life. No matter how far you think they've gone, no matter how distant you think they are from truth, don't you ever give up on them. He is wonderful counselor. He has all wisdom. He is mighty God. He hears the prayers of His people and He acts. He can turn the blackest thing into the whitest thing. He can turn the world upside down. He is everlasting Father. Those that are His, He pulls and draws and leads to himself. He is the Prince of Peace. He brings peace where you think there could be no peace. Don't you ever give up on the people in your world. You keep praying for them. You keep hoping for them. You keep sharing the gospel with them. You keep believing and hoping. And finally... Dear Christian, you've got to remember this over and over. We've got to keep reminding ourselves over and over because we are still stuck with one foot in this world. And so we forget all of this. So we've got to keep reminding ourselves and keep remembering and keep comforting our souls with these truths. You know what? I don't know what to do. I feel confused in the moment. I feel like I am lost in this world in this moment. He is wonderful counselor. He's wonderful counselor. You're fearful of the things that are on the horizon. You're fearful of the way that the world is working or the things that are on your doorstep or how it is that this might come into your life or in your family's life or you're fearful for your children or your grandchildren. He's mighty God. You comfort your soul with the fact He is mighty God. You feel alone in this world? Feel like you've been abandoned? You remind yourself that He is everlasting Father. 
Satan brings accusations against your mind. You begin to be filled once again with the guilt of that sin that you remember that you committed. And it comes flooding back and you feel that weight. You comfort yourself with he is the prince of peace. That guilt has no place here. Satan, you can bring all your accusations. They're all true and it's all covered over by the blood of my Savior. I have peace. This one that was born into this world was born unto you. And unto you, he is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I pray you know him today. And you get to know him more and more and revel in this truth more and more as the days go on. Let's pray. Father, we pray for every soul in this room, every soul that has tuned in to this worship service, that all would know your Son as Savior and Lord and King, that He would be to every single one of us wonderful Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And where this truth is languishing in our minds or our hearts or our souls today as Christians, we pray that you would press it deeper. May we know the joy of our salvation. May we know the great gift that we have in our Savior. And may you receive the glory and the praise. We pray this in the strong and able and mighty name of Christ. Amen.